Love can be exhilarating and wonderful, but it can also be painful and complicated. Join clinical psychologist and best-selling author, Dr. David Hawkins, as he reveals the truth about the good, the bad, and the ugly aspects of relationships. Listen in as he gives you practical tips for hope and healing. Welcome to the podcast, Mad in Love. Welcome to another podcast of Mad in Love. I'm Dr. David Hawkins, founder of the Marriage Recovery Center and the Emotional Abuse Institute. And as always, we have a special episode today as we dive into the Comprehensive Core Program, which is quite honestly kind of the heartbeat of what we do here at the Marriage Recovery Center. So it's an evolution, actually, of what I started I don't know, six, seven, eight years ago when I started the men's intensive program. And now it's evolved into something much bigger, much more special involving all of these, do I say characters? That's not a good word. All of these <laughs> individuals that you see on the screen here. So uh, this is going to be a very, very exciting time where we just unpack and talk about what is this comprehensive core program. That's right, Dr. Hawkins. Today, we have, we have invited a team of facilitators to answer some of the common questions we often receive on the phones. I'm excited to have the facilitators share their goals and intentions of their prospective programs, and I'll be asking a lot of questions. Yeah, sounds like we're all in the hot seat today, Katie, but I'm ready for it. Let's dive into the questions and let's before we have them speak, th th this is a solid, solid team, everybody. I mean, it's as every month and year that goes by that they've been, they've been with Marriage Recovery Center now for years, and it's really, really a solid, solid team creating the underpinnings of this comprehensive core program. So let's have everyone share a bit about themselves, their background, and the program that they facilitate. Jill, do you want to? You want to kick us off? Sure. Uh, so I'm Jill Stenerson, and I've been at MRC for about, well, going on my third year. I did the first year I did core exclusively uh, before joining with my buddy Jonathan Glover down here to develop the dual core, which we'll talk a little bit about later. Um, my background... I've done lots and lots of trauma work, lots of addiction work, lots of working with personality disorders and sex addiction and all kinds of problem-causing behaviors, which seem to be a pretty good translation into working with a lot of what we do here at Marriage Recovery Center. Yeah, such such an exciting addition, Jill being with us now uh, three years and having such a solid, solid background that sets her up to uh, do a lot of work in our comprehensive core program. Jonathan. Hi, I'm Jonathan Glover. And like Jill said, I um, am a uh, co-facilitator with her in the dual core program, the men's dual core program. I have a background in working with, with clients who have experienced uh, trauma, but in particular, complex trauma, uh, trauma coming from developmental and um, relational trauma. I have a lot of experience working with a treatment modality called dialectical behavior therapy or DBT for short. We'll speak about that a little bit later, but we use that in our um, 
dual core program quite heavily. Yeah, Jonathan, exciting addition, and we're just so excited to have you as part of our a backbone, not just part of the team. Jill and Jonathan are a backbone, and Lee, what is your part to play in this uh, comprehensive core program? Hi, everybody. My name is Lee Kaufman. I've been working with people on their personal growth process for about 20 years and with MRC for about five I think I facilitated around eight core groups, which gives me about 200 hours of group facilitation within MRC. My focus, at least in the intro core group, is to get people to be personally responsible for the behavior that they put forward and get to the point where they're ready to be able to put a plan in place to change that behavior towards something much more healthy. So I really appreciate being here, being a part of the team, and looking forward to this conversation. All right. Excellently. So gifted. And Dr. John Hudson. Dr. Hudson. Hello, everybody. Um, I am so happy to be a part of the MRC team. I am the youngest member of the team, but clearly not the youngest person in this room. So uh, I've got about 30 years in in the field, um, mostly in marriage, family, therapy. Really love doing the core and the advanced core now with the focus of getting the guys to see who they really are, how they've shown up what they've done in the past and propel them to a better and brighter future. And I'd really appreciate Jonathan's comment about using DBT. We use that heavily in the advanced core program, and that is extremely effective to continue to get the guys to to grow in personally healthy ways. Yeah. So drum roll, everybody. I mean, this is such, such a uh, strong clinical team. I should have said at the onset that this comprehensive core program, we we are proud to say that we are a leading authority in the treatment of narcissism and emotional abuse. And that's what the comprehensive core program, which you're going to be learning more about, is all about. So you can hear in the DBT and uh, Lee's skills for a l- long time and Jill and Dr. John Hudson, uh, my goodness, all of this makes us, along with my skills and tools, makes us the comprehensive team for being the leading authority in the treatment of narcissism and emotional abuse. So thank you, Jill, Jonathan Lee, and Dr. Hudson for introducing yourselves. You know that I, I hope you know, I do value and admire you. This is not the time to say if you're feeling otherwise, we can talk about that off camera, but I do admire I shouldn't have said that. Edit, edit. Okay. I value and admire each of you, and I thank you for being here. All right, Katie, what's our first question for the team? Yeah. So before I go into the questions, I think our listeners need a quick overview of what the Comprehensive Core Program is. So from my understanding, Dr. Hawkins, that the Comprehensive Core Program is a a comprehensive approach to healing from deep-seated, unhealthy emotional behavior. We're looking at three different phases. We got the first phase being the core or dual core program. We have two options for that. And then we've got the advanced core, then finally core strength. Then as an add-in thing, we also offer the core summit every year, and we'll talk about that more later. But as the facilitator, Lee, as a facilitator of the core program, you talked a little bit about your goals for that program. Do you mind expanding on that a little bit more? Yeah, not at all. So I I sometimes think in terms of neuroplasticity and how long somebody has had a certain style of behavior and then what it would take to, to change that. And I liken it to if you've ever been to Long Beach, 
or any other port and watch the tanker turn. They turn, but they seem to turn so slowly that it's frustrating at times if you're the pilot and you want to be going in the other direction. So being able to take some neural patterns that have been a person's behavior for decades and change those is no small undertaking. It's completely possible, but we need to be patient and we need to have the person lean in and do the work necessary on a regular basis to create new patterns of behavior. So I look at the intro program really as a wake-up call amongst a group of peers where a person could begin to see that the behavior that they've been presenting with is actually potentially destructive, harmful, even abusive to other people around them. If they can get to the point where they understand that, they're really at the starting line of being able to make the additional behavioral changes that will help them get healthy, which is the additional programs that we offer. So then we also have the dual core program, which Jill and Jonathan co-facilitate. Can you share what that program is and how it differs from the core program? I would say one of the main differences, uh, besides there being two of us, is that we're pretty focused on measurables in our group. We, we, as Jonathan mentioned earlier with his DBT training, both Jonathan and I have worked in DBT for a long time. And so we start off uh, really kind of with a treatment plan, which is you're identifying target behaviors very early on. And there's a system of measuring volume, quantity of engaging in those problematic behaviors so that our clients have a really, really clear understanding of what it is they're doing causing problems and seeing a decrease in that. So I would say one of the main differences is our focus on measurables in our group. Um, the other is that we're using DBT as sort of the backbone for a lot of what we're doing. Many of the guys we're working with have a, sort of an extra layer of anger problems. So we're doing a lot of work around emotional regulation, awareness of the emotions, coming up with, you know, sharing skills and practicing those skills so that they're more contained and able to engage in healthier behaviors. Jonathan, what else do you want to add? The dialectical behavioral therapy component of the the dual core program focuses a lot on increasing self-awareness, the awareness of the internal dynamics um, that are going on, uh, the way that, that we interpret what's happening in the world around us and how that affects our own emotions and, and starting to take responsibility for the way that we are interpreting it and take responsibility for our own actions and emotions rather than turning out and pointing a finger and saying, you're the one that's causing me to feel this way. We then take a look at, we just start to take a look at what the effect of past patterns of behaviors and interactions and communication, what the effect is on the other person in the relationship. The dual core program really is designed to increase awareness and give a lot of skills uh, surrounding how to practice doing something different, but it's just the beginning. It's just the beginning of, of that change process. And it, we don't, we don't actually get into talking about the effects on, uh, the other person in the relationship on the spouse until towards the end of, of, of the group even. And so th- this really is just the beginning of, of some, some major change work. Dr. Hudson and Dr. Hawkins facilitate the advanced core program, but I'm going to ask Dr. Hudson, <laughs> could you share a little bit about what the advanced core program is? Sure. 
Uh, I mean, obviously, we're building on what the guys have learned during core or dual core. And, you know, I appreciate how Jonathan just phrased that and Jill, that they're really working on the person and identifying awareness and helping them grow to a point of beginning to see the impact. We also do that in the regular core program, but advanced core takes that a whole lot farther. You know, where where is the person showing up or how are they showing up? Not just within more intimate relationships, but in their world as a whole and helping them identify those behaviors that were that are healthy and embracing those new ways of of being rather than just doing because there's some things to certainly that they need to do to change but they also need to be the change and that's what advanced core focuses on okay and then finally in phase 3 we've got the core strength program dr hawkins do you want to share what that is yeah sure so as we've all been saying this is a 3 stage program. It's comprehensive. So it begins with the core or dual core, toggles into the advanced core. And by the way, we share from the beginning that we hope and expect that someone who comes into our program will stay for the whole thing. You know, we we don't expect the change. As Lee said, we don't expect change, significant change to happen in the first 14 weeks. That's a beginning. And then they toggle into the advanced core where Dr. Hudson says we're practicing all of the behaviors, all of the issues that have been learned in the beginning core program. Now core strength, this is a six-month program. And by the way, you know, a lot of discussion happens regarding um inner locus of control, meaning am I wanting to change? In the first 14 weeks, someone comes into the program often with an external focus, meaning I have to be here because of my mate who threatened to leave me or whatever. Now we hope in advanced core and then in core strength. Now we're really practicing. We're solidifying all the strength. As Lee said, the ship now is turning and now this person is in training They really are day by day by day practicing showing up well. They're practicing the four, Jonathan mentioned DBT skills, which are mindfulness, being aware, interpersonal effectiveness, emotion regulation, and tolerating distress. All of those things need to be practiced on a day by day by day basis. And the guys in core strength, by the way, they, you know, I, uh, the guys in core strength, they sign up again and again and again. They really are now internally motivated for change. And that's, of course, our goal. We want them to want to change for the sake of change, to be, to show up in a different, uh, in a different way. And they do. This is a, these, all these programs are very popular and the men really grow to like this process. Okay. So now that we have an idea of what each of these programs are and what they what their goals are, I guess I want to go into like how people get recommended into it. Most of the clients that come to the Marriage Recovery Center are recommended to start with either a personal assessment or a couples assessment. And then they share their concerns with their facilitator or their clinician, and they get a treatment plan. And most of those treatment plans could include the comprehensive core program as part of that treatment plan. What are some of the qualities that you see during these assessments that would signal you to recommend them into this program? 
Well, during the marriage evaluation, of course, you get the you you get the feedback from both spouses. You get the perspectives from from um, from both, which is important because in a personal assessment, they're going to tell you what they want to tell you. They're going to tell you what you think you want to hear. Potentially, they may not be as completely honest, or they may not be as insightful. They may not see some of the things that they're doing. So, to me, there's a great value in the in a marital assessment in that perspective. Uh, Jonathan and Jill, could you speak to? There's there's a reason why we refer a man to the dual core as opposed to the core. Can you speak to that a little bit more about the the importance of learning? distress tolerance and emotion regulation, those kinds of things which would would qualify someone out of or disqualify them from the core and qualify them into dual core. Yeah, I think maybe I can speak to it a little bit from the assessment. Maybe I can kind of bridge those two questions. I think I'm looking at times, so many of the clients that come in are looking to get into these programs. Either the spouse, as you mentioned earlier, is sort of leveraging a little bit and saying, I really need him to get this. Or we have a, uh, you know, maybe a husband who's saying, I'm, I'm, I've been causing all kinds of problems. My wife's thinking about leaving. I need help with this. So I, at times I'm looking for rule outs and some of those rule outs have to do with first, you know, other factors, active addictions, things like that that need to be in hand before they can engage in this type of work. But the other would be, and I think a little bit of what you're referring to, Dr. Hawkins, is really sort of explosivity and an inability to keep yourself in that window of tolerance where you can actually engage some of the skills and thinking that we're trying to, trying to impart in clients. So that's a bit, you know, that's a bit of the assessment process is can they hang in there? Because the the you know, DBT mo- modality, but just also what we do at, at MRC, requires someone to be able to stay somewhat in their rational brain, or at least be able to access that. So those more sort of generally elevated baseline guys or real ragey guys tend to um, be a better fit to slide into to dual core, where we're, we're dipping into that regulation pretty quickly. As far as the type of client that we really are looking for um, in group is we want to see a guy who they might not understand it all and get it, but we want to know, we want to see guys who are at least open to the idea that they are doing something or they're contributing something that is is not productive or that is directly harmful or abusive to the relationship uh at least open to the idea of considering that and learning about that and we spend about 0% of the time focusing uh in group on the the wife's side uh what she brings to the to the dynamics we we don't spend any amount of time on that. So for any guy who is considering entering this group and then is shocked to find out that we focus exclusively on the men and their behaviors, I'm just letting everyone know now that is what that is what we focus on. And it's not until towards the end of the group or after the group that we really start to say, okay, now that you have a lot more awareness of what you're bringing along with all that that emotional regulation component now we can start to talk about the interplay and how this relates and and affects the relationship or the other person i love that jonathan i want to amplify that because uh, i i talked during the assessment phase 
if you're going to go into our core or dual core program, it's not a two-way street. It's not, not a two-way street. This is not a, at some point in time, it can be a mutual problem, but it's not at this stage. And you got to get over that. You got to, come on, this is you going into the group to work on you, to help you. And will everyone be positively impacted by it? Absolutely. But it's not a two-way street at this point. You're going to be 100% responsible for your 100%. And that's, you got to get that you got to get through that and you can't take anything away. Here's another problem, but I want to get off on this, but you can't take anything you've learned in group and go home and say, now you need to no, no, you're going to, you're here to work on you. So does anybody else want to speak to this assessment piece and moving a person into the program? I want to say something a little bit off topic, but just to promote the idea of group work in general for anybody that's listening that hasn't been a part of a group. There's something incredibly powerful about being in a group of like-minded people who are maybe struggling with the same thing. A facilitator has a certain job to be able to move people forward and hold them accountable. But sometimes I've seen other people in the group hold people accountable in ways that were much more powerful. When somebody that looks like you and feels like you and has a similar life experience points out something about you that you have yet to see or acknowledge, it can be incredibly potent. And so group work is quite different than individual work. And so I want to promote the idea of the group programs for that reason on its own, that it's powerful just being with other people. Well, then on the flip side, it's a little bit of a follow-up question. I don't have it here for you guys. (laughs) But what are some markers? What if a client or a a person starting with the Marriage Recovery Center is very adamant about going into the core program, but is there ever a situation where you as assess, you're taking the assessments and you're seeing markers that they're not a good fit for group work? What does that look like? Yeah, we see that. Um, we definitely encounter that. And we have to take that person as a one-off, at least initially, to try to f- try to help them get to a place where they would be ready for court. I think Jill and Jonathan, you handle that similarly for dual court, don't you? Yeah, I think a little bit what I talked about earlier, making sure it's the right content first off. If you've got other, you know, more pressing issues, we don't want you spending your money on this if you're not ready for it. But the other would be, I think, to what Jonathan mentioned earlier, you know, I, what I'll often say is like, you're, you're taking a basket, you're, t- you know, you're taking a basketball class. I'm not in- interested in what your teammates doing. We're just looking at what you're doing to cause problem on the court. And so if there's a guy who is unable to, to say, yes, I'm taking this class and I will stay focused on that, that will be a rule out. And, and that's, that's rare. That's rare. Most of the guys we're working with are, can, can quiet some of that <laughs> background noise around, or it'll slip out and we redirect them. But for the most part, the guys we're working with are like, yeah, okay, I get not everything applies to me and I can, I can, you know, push that away while I try to take in what does. So. Oh, I, I wanted to mention, uh, just to echo what, what Jill said, you know, it, it might be surprising perhaps that so many of these guys are, are so defensive and sometimes oppositional at home. In group, though, we find that the vast majority of them see us as, as, as professionals who are here to help and they want our feedback. Um, they might have a hard time hearing it, 
but in general they do want this the the feedback and it is the rare occasion where you get a a a, a guy who is very disruptive and argumentative and cannot be directed uh, or redirected and does not value any sort of feedback that's that's the the guy that t- tends to not make it all the way through groove on that note do you see uh, any of you four do you see ownership growing throughout the programs? And do you see empathy growing throughout the programs? Those are uh, a lot of folks, maybe two different questions, but I'd love to hear your thoughts about that. Ownership I think. I think, you know, I I don't want to put stats out there. I would say most of the guys definitely grow in awareness and ownership to to some degree, uh, you know, incrementally, some radically. So we'll, some guys will come in in you know pretty profound denial and may walk out pretty aware. I see the empathy piece being a slower process. Um, I think some guys make pretty significant. This is in the first level group, right? In cognitive empathy, like oh, I get she's entitled to feel something. Are they weeping at her pain? Not typically at the end of fourteen weeks. No. But definitely ownership, and that I think is a is uh, you know fourteen weeks. That's significant. No, oh, I agree with that. That's exactly what we encounter. Um, that cognitive empathy is pretty easy. Emotional empathy, you can get there if it if it gets really hairy. Compassionate empathy, which we think is the highest level, the most intimate level, which is the that level you want to get to in relationships, is probably too far of a reach within the initial core but not so much for advanced core. I think we do see people, guys who are really working and working hard and understanding themselves better. will get to that level sometimes in advanced core, but maybe not until core strength. So then with that in mind, how do you define success within each of your phase, your program phase? So what does success look like at the end of the core or dual core? What does success look like at the end of advanced core, then core strength? Mm, that's a really good and difficult question because success really is determined by individual. It's not by the group. It's not by the, the program that they're in. It's unique to each person. So success, in my opinion, for core is that they really do begin to see themselves, that they really do begin to embrace, okay, this is what I've done. This is who I've been. This is where I need to go. That's probably where they are. Yeah, I think it's it's so individualized that it's it would be hard to say. I mean, I hope that I hope they walk out with more ownership, ceasing harm or at least decreasing harm. Those would be my primary primary markers um, in that, and I feel good about that. I think it's it's really difficult because a lot of the couples we're working with measure success based on the couple. And really, we're talking about individual behaviors and individual struggles. And so, you know, sometimes some of the guys that I've worked with that have made the most progress, arguably, therapeutically, their relationship maybe didn't improve necessarily based on a lot of things, past harm, all kinds of things. So, yeah, I would say ownership, awareness, and and mitigating harm in those early stages. But yeah, it's to, to Dr. Hudson's point, it's so individualized. For some guys, it's just like owning a behavior. That's progress. I wanted to add one piece, which was, this is something we hear a lot, which is you're saying that his behavior is changing or that his awareness is changing in group, but I don't see it at home. 
I think the power of the group is that it facilitates an environment where a person feels safe enough to open up and to try new behaviors or perspectives that they might not be ready to try on in their more pressurized relationships. And so I want to also set that out there that sometimes people do show up in in different, new and different ways in group that they aren't quite ready to in their more difficult relationships. And so there is an evolution of gaining the skill, practicing the skill, and then moving the skill into more and more difficult but important relationships in your life. So Dr. Hawkins, you do advanced core as well as the core strength program. How do you move people who have completed the advanced core into core strength or versus having them repeat advanced core? We as a team are talking about what's the criteria for moving from one phase to another phase. And I think, you know, you everybody is using terms like ownership and we're using awareness. We're using terms like empathy. And so if someone has made significant significant growth in terms of ownership, awareness, intensity, intentionality, all of those things. It's it's somewhat subjective. And if they want to be in core strength, where they're, you know, they've done advanced core. I've got guys who have done advanced core twice, some three times before they toggle into core strength, which is every other week two hours every other week for six months. But uh, as Lee just suggested, uh, these guys get bonded to each other. They form groups and they are very, very connected. And so I will have guys that will want to repeat core strength because Joe is in that group and Jim is in the group. And uh, you know what? I uh, Yeah. Well, hey, guys, we're look, I'm doing it again. Will you do it again? Growth is really an exciting process. By the time they get to advanced core and core strength, they really are excited about the prospect of growing, at least the guys I'm working with are. So no clear criteria, but uh, if they're learning how to manage emotion, they've got some interpersonal effectiveness, they've worked on distress tolerance, they've learned some of these skills, they've done an AFGO. All the guys know about AFGOs, which is a tool that they use to learn more about why they had a uh, misstep and what that misstep, whether that's a pattern of behavior for them and why it's a pattern, what their thinking errors are, what impact it had on their, on their partner, all of those things. They become much more proficient at these tools, learning nonviolent communication, learning how to share feelings. If they've mastered those or not mastered, but they've got some proficiency with them, then I think they're ready to move into core strength. So how do you handle as group? program facilitators, different personalities, because you've mentioned some who might be um, more emotive versus others who are quiet by nature. How do you handle someone who talks a lot versus who doesn't want to participate at all? Could they still benefit from your programs? Yeah, one of the the differences, I think, in dual core and then some of the the groups that that are the second or third phase of treatment. One of the big differences that I'm uh, aware of is that we actually don't encourage the group to be any type of support or feedback from other the other guys at all, especially at the beginning of the group. It might be that we, if we feel like it's appropriate and they start to be supportive of each other or or they're able to call each other out towards the end of the group, we might get there the last two weeks. But in general, we don't allow the guys to dialogue with each other, if at all. 
and we set this this expectation up right at the beginning for the guys that uh, are overly verbose we will interrupt you we will cut you off and call you out on that behavior reflect on hey do you do this in other areas of your life as well and the guys that are not talking um we are calling on them just as often and we are often pointing out that they're giving very very limited responses and please elaborate yeah, I think as the female representative on the panel here today, um, I maybe some other partners will like hearing. I cut guys off all the time. I think that there's something in. <laughs> I don't think it's engendered. I think it's encultured, but I think it's also in a lot of the population we work with. Uh, many of the men like to kind of platform and hear themselves, and that may be a, a relational pattern they've developed. That's another thing they need to work on. So that cutting off, I actually see as like therapeutically important. Um, and like Jonathan said, we sort of lay out really early on, this isn't a pro- for with us in dual court, it's not a process group and we will cut you off. That might feel, you know, that might feel bad at first, but there's a purpose, you know, there's a purpose to that. And guys kind of, you'll see them start going, Oh, I'm going on too much. So. And we handle it the same Dr. way Hudson. in core. Yeah. <laughs> we handle it the mm-hmm. same way. Well, I'm not, I'm not hesitant to, to cut somebody off. Of course, you know, you want to hear their story, but if there's more to tell and more to work, I'm always willing to take that outside a group because I see that something needs to be addressed separately. But in, in group, we, we manage that pretty well. So we talked a lot about how these programs are focused on the individuals in the program and their own behavior. Is there a chance for their partners or spouses to be involved in this program? So for questions the, for anyone, yeah. So for the regular core, there's a there's a point where the guys write a letter, and uh, if their spouse is willing to receive it, then she can she has the option to provide feedback directly to to me to the facilitator. Um, she does not have to. That is purely optional. She doesn't have to write anything. The work is not hers to do. He's just presenting an assignment to her if she wants to receive it. And I do offer an opportunity for her to talk to me and give me an update on her experience later in the 14 weeks. Has your Is your experience changing at all if there's exchanges between the two? Because sometimes there's no contact. I find to have the spouses have a, a voice is invaluable. <clears throat> and as you say, uh, Dr. Hudson, to the extent that they want to have a voice. But in my experience, a huge percentage want to have a voice. They want to say, hey, but. And remember, in this whole field of covert emotional abuse, the, the Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde phenomenon is rampant. So, yes, he is saying one thing in this venue and something else in another venue. And so to get other points of feedback, I find invaluable. So we give a, a very much strong voice to any spouse that wants to speak into his treatment. That's my uh, Jill, Jonathan, Lee, what do you say? Yeah, and I think one of the things we're all really clear about in that that orientation session or in our assessments is that Many of the clients we work with are terrific clients, you know, for us. But what matters most in terms of the relationship is what's showing up at home. And so, you know, there's a lot of fear that we're, you know, we're not getting it or, or you know, maybe we're being snowed or, and so just reinforcing, you know, the agency of the partners to say what, what, what you're experiencing at home is what matters. I wanted to just sort of give a slightly oppositional view, which is, the forest for the trees kind of thing. Sometimes 
you have the spouse at home who's watching the behavior on such a microscopic level, sees a person coming out of their group session, wants to know everything about what they're experiencing. I think sometimes the people who are participating in group just need a little bit of time to digest and process the learnings that they're actually taking in before they're ready to share them in a more meaningful way. So I'm, I'm not sure I'm not sure whether that relates to everyone, but I've had a lot of guys just be overwhelmed with their partner, want to know exactly what happened in the last two hours when they're actually not even sure themselves what they experienced yet. I guess a question that I hear a lot on the phones is how much access do the part the spouses or partners have to the group facilitator? I mean, some want to share a whole novel of what's going on. Some want very little interaction. What is ideal for you in being able to get a good sense of what's going on at home and being able to work with the individual in your program? I like to set up uh, separate sessions. Uh, I like to, to try to catch up on everything that's happening in a, in an email dialogue. Uh, while I read all my emails, I, that's a that's a difficult way to really catch up and to have the person feel, have the wife feel heard, understood, validated, and for me to really get what's going on. So, to whatever extent it is uh, able, I like to just say, "Look, you you have you have access to me. Call the client care team, get an appointment set up." And I'll, I will answer emails as well. I want it to be a very much an ongoing interactive process. So we mentioned a little bit earlier, Dr. Hawkins, that this is an evolution of the men's intensive. That was back in the day, I believe it was up to, what, five, six men in person, yeah. four days long. <laughs> and yeah. you you came back from some of those with some tremendous experiences, but a little bit of frustration because you felt like you didn't have enough time. So then yeah. comes the core program. Could you talk a little bit about how you've seen the benefits of moving to an online format and having that extensive time put in instead of just four days? Yeah. So the, so the online program, obviously, this is, we've got Again, core, dual core, we've got advanced core, then we've got core strength. So we've just got this ongoing relationship with these men and their, their spouses. And then our hope, and Lee has done, by the way, Lee, Lee and, uh, Dr. Hudson, we've done these kinds of intensives. So, uh, Lee and I have done two of them together. I think, is that right, Lee? Two? Yeah. So in Mexico. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we've experienced the excitement of, so the core summit is, I, I guess it's my brainchild. I just, the, the, the power, the intensity, the excitement of coming together with a, uh, this would be a larger group of men. We're inviting uh, 10 to 12 men to come for five days and to really gel together as a group and with a common goal, a common purpose, you know, to understand their self-destructive patterns, their, their different blind spots and bring those into the light and develop skills on how to, what we call living from our core, how to be centered, have, how to be clear, compassionate, caring, considerate, courageous, all the C words that we talk about again and again and again. And we think that's possible and would come after someone has already done the core. But, you know, at this stage of 
the Emotional Abuse Institute and Marriage Recovery Center. I mean, we've been doing this for a long, long, long time. We have a lot of men that have come through our programs. And so we're now adding to the three levels of core. We're adding Core Summit. And we're going to be doing that at least once, maybe twice a year to come together in that unique way, uh, which who, who, who doesn't like that? You know, who doesn't want to form a, a, be part of a formed group and with a common goal and with clear direction and, and really be able to get a leg up on some of the issues that are, that are causing problems in their lives. So that's core summit. So that, Lee, do you want to, so Lee, Lee, do you want to speak to what you saw happen in Mexico and with the group of men that we did? On two occasions? I think the thing that I would highlight is just taking people out of their typical environment, having them travel with purpose and intention to another place to meet with people, often in this case, that they've known over time and are willing to lean in and work together. I've seen being able to take somebody to a different place where they're completely focused on the work at hand and there are no other distractions be incredibly powerful in a way that maybe this kind of remote work can't always tap into. So what I'm hearing is the core summit is kind of bridging that gap because you want the intensity of in-person work, but you need the foundational work through online courses before you could get to that place of real work in, in person is what I'm hearing. Yeah, I want to put another plug in for anybody who's going to watch this this video. A change doesn't come easily. That's what we're all saying as a team. It comes with good, hard work. There's, we call it training, being in training versus simply trying. Trying is when you have an inadequate goal, an unclear goal with an inadequate effort, and you try and falter, try and falter, try and falter, as opposed to like, no, this is really, really important. I want to be a healthy human being. To do that, you've got to be very, very intentional. You've got to be very involved. You've got to have a level of intensity. And then you've got to be under the guidance of someone like this team that you're looking at right here. You put all those pieces together. Now you've got a chance of real success. So with all the different phases and components of the Comprehensive Core Program, is it necessary to complete all the phases to see significant change? or, or you Yes. Yes. <laughs> That's my vote. My yes. vote. My vote is yes. Yes. But I, I think, and beyond that, I mean, my point is, if you're going to be in training, after a while, you're not even like, yes, I'm going to group. Of course, I'm. What? What? Why wouldn't I go to group? Of course, I'm going to group. Of course, I'm going to be reading the book. Of am I reading it again? Of course, I'm reading it again because I'm in training. I'm That's always right. in training. Well, then. Thank you so much, everyone, for sharing and being in the hot seat. <laughs> I think All this right. concludes today's recording. We've ran out of time. Dr. Hawkins, do you have any closing notes for us? Sure. Yeah, I want to thank everybody for being here today. Listeners, as always, if any of this resonates with you, please know that we are all available to help. You can reach out to us by visiting www.marriagerecoverycenter.com to book a free consultation with one of our trained client care specialists to get started, or you can learn more about everyone here and the Comprehensive Core Program. If you enjoyed today's show, 
podcast, please give it a five-star rating and be sure to subscribe to our channel to be notified of new episodes. And again, thank you, everyone. Thank you, uh, John, Jill, Jonathan, uh, Katie, Lee. And thanks, everyone, for tuning in. And we'll talk again soon. Take care.